You're listening to the American Girl Podcast Network. Welcome to the Spark Girls Podcast. <laughs> I'm Shay. And I'm Jess. And today we have the episode you've been waiting for. The the big one. <laughs> the big oh, one. Yeah. This is all about puberty, puberty. today. Mm-hmm. This is all about what's going on in your body, all about what's happening in your mind with your emotions. And we know that you have a lot of questions to ask. And sometimes they're embarrassing questions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. We're going to ask them because this episode today is based off of the incredible Smart Girls Guide called The Care and Keeping of You. There's number one and number two. Mm-hmm. And we have the guest to come and answer these questions for us today, Shay. We have Dr. Karen Natterson, who wrote The Care and Keeping of You, mm-hmm. number two. She's a pediatrician. She's a good friend of mine, and she will help us get through our giggly questions of <laughs> yeah. what's happening. But you and I talked about this episode. We were so passionate to bring real news, real information, real tips to girls mm-hmm. and every listener that we have, because we all go through puberty. Yeah. And it is important that we don't feel ashamed by it or embarrassed by it. There's no need to. But, but do you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just getting comfortable talking about it. Yes, right? Totally. Like, And asking the questions. So we asked Shay's audience to ask some questions. We got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds lot. of them. I'm, I'm really glad that you guys sent in so many, honestly, because I thought it was going to be one of those things where people are like, oh, well, I'm like Crickets. a little bit embarrassed by this. <laughs> like, I don't really want to say anything. But you guys were really honest and it's amazing. And we have... The perfect person to answer all these questions from a scientific way. Yes. We have the real answers today. And I think that's really important because there's a lot of misinformation out there. There's Mm -hmm. lots of rumors and we want you to hear it from the source. So we're joined by Dr. Cara today. Should we tell folks about her? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Cara Nadison is a pediatrician. She's a New York Times bestselling author. And she is the CEO and a co-founder of Umla, which is a company designed to make puberty more comfortable. Yes. I'm just so excited to get to talk to her today about I'm this. I'm really excited about Umla because it's a company that's dedicated to making products and content about puberty mm-hmm. for teens and tweens. So I'm sure she's going to tell us more about it. Yeah. Let's just dig into the questions. Great. So we got a lot of burning questions from my audience, and I know we came up with a lot of questions that we had on our own, and I want to start off with one, asking you about questions. What is the most common question you get about puberty as a pediatrician? Okay, so I get questions about everything all over the map, <laughs> but I'd say the most common is what is going to happen when? Like, mm. what comes in what order? And the worst part about this question is that there is no answer. Yeah. Right. It's It's different for everybody. And it's totally unpredictable. And if you think there's kind of a staging like, okay, I don't know when I'm going to go get started. But once I get started, I'm on this path. Uh, 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 no, everything is different for everyone. Yeah. So it's a very frustrating question for most people. So would you say then that people who are listening and are curious, what they should know is that we could talk about a little bit of the signs of what happens, but it could come out of order or in different order. Yeah. And I would say it does come out of order for most people, but there are a couple of early signs. What are those? So I have this very close friend named Louise Greenspan. She's an endocrinologist who does all the early puberty studies. What's an endocrinologist? It's a hormone doctor and a pediatric endocrinologist is a hormone doctor for kids. Okay. Mm. So she does all of the hormone studies about kids who are going into puberty earlier because, you know, puberty is happening a lot earlier now than it used to. Mm. And we can talk about it, that if you want, because it's interesting. Yeah. It's not happening faster. It's just happening sooner, which huh. is very mm. interesting. But what she says, and I love this line, she says, the first sign of puberty for basically everyone is a slamming door. 
meaning oh, that your emotions you got it. are the first sign that you may be going through puberty. Because your hormones are starting to cycle. It doesn't matter your gender. Your hormones are starting to cycle and they don't just mm. rise slowly. They rise and they fall and they rise and they fall. And it's not staying below your neck. All those hormones mm. are circulating through your brain. And so they impact the way you feel. And that means that a lot of kids will either get really frustrated and slam a door or start crying hysterically or start laughing hysterically or huh. start, right? It doesn't have to be bad or negative or sad. It's just big. It's, it's more big. extreme. Yes. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But does that make sense for you? Can you remember that in your puberty experience? <sighs> I don't remember like a specific moment, yeah. but I... Do you remember feeling big feelings? Yeah, I, I definitely do. And I say this a lot now. I feel like, honestly, I just kind of feel like I, I'm more aware of things, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. as soon as I started becoming a teenager, I just, like, everything started clicking in my brain, and I'm like, oh, okay, this is how this works. Okay, I'm, I'm a human. I don't know if that makes sense, mm. but it's just, like, everything started making more sense. Well, you know, it makes a lot of sense because one of the things that's happening while you're going through puberty is your brain is also developing, mm -hmm. but it, that's not a part of puberty. That's happening on its own path. Wow. Yeah. And that's really predictable, and that's on a timeline. Mm. And the point that your brain hit in brain maturation, everything started to click for you. Yeah. It didn't really have anything to do with what was happening with the rest of your body, which is such a weird thing. And by the way, it will take until you're 30 for your brain wow. to really fully click in. And what I mean by that is it takes until you're 30 for the part of your brain that makes really thoughtful, smart, long-term decisions mm -hmm to get messages as fast as everything else. Mm. So it's there. That part is in your head, but it's really hard to access it sometimes, especially when you're super psyched about something, when your friends are around, when the adrenaline yeah. is rushing. So the clicking is really common. The being able to access that really smart hmm. long-term thinking takes a while. And I want to say that, like, I don't even remember that happening when I was 12. It really, like, when I really think about it, it just happened this year, me turning 16. Like, yeah. 16, I really feel like everything just makes so much more sense. So it does happen at different ages. But really. I keep thinking about for kids who where it's not clicking and making sense. Like, yes. if, if they're if if their brain development is happening, right, yeah. and 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 their body changes are happening, and their hormone changes yes. are happening, that's a lot of things happening at one time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And in the brain, we yeah. call it this crazy chemical stew, right? Yeah. You have hormones around the brain. You have uh, you know glucose, sugar from your food that's impacting it. You've got sleep. Are you getting it? Are you not getting it? That's right. impacting it. So it's complicated. It's really, so really layered. puberty is not just about, okay, now your body is going through changes. It is a combination of a lot of factors. Such a good question, Jess, because we we look at puberty in its very narrow definition as yeah. the sexual maturation of the body, going from not being able to, to reproduce to being able to reproduce. That's really the strict definition. But that's hormonally driven, and hormones go through our entire body, and they impact everything. They impact our friendships. They impact mm -hmm. our emotions. They impact our skin. They impact everything. And so we used to call that adolescence, mm. and we don't anymore. We call, we basically consider those two terms synonymous. And the thing is, puberty starts between 8 and 9 for most girls now and between 9 and 10 for most boys. And yeah. that is not an exaggeration. Parents 
tell me all the time I'm so wrong, but now I go back to slamming door, right? First line mm-hmm. is slamming door. And then they go, oh my gosh, my kids are here. And, and you said that starting younger and younger, even younger than eight? Well, yeah. So eight to nine is typical for, we, we no longer are surprised when we see an eight or a nine-year-old. Okay. It really breaks down along um, racial lines, but only certain groups have been studied. And so I can't give you a complete answer. And mixed race kids have not been studied at all. So I really can't give you an answer for them. But what I can tell you is when I was training a long time ago, if you had a seven-year-old who had signs of estrogen or progesterone, which is what we look for in uh, female puberty, or had sign of testosterone, which we look for in genetic male puberty, at seven, we alarm bells would be going off. Huh. Not anymore. Oh, wow. Not anymore. So the it really has shifted back. But periods aren't happening any sooner. Hmm. So you would think if you're starting to develop moodiness and breast buds are really the two big things that come in first. Those wow. are those are the most predictable mm. for genetic females. Um, we could talk about genetic males in a second, but for those kids, yeah, it used to be two to three years and they would get a period. Now it's more like four or five years wow. before they get a period. I want to say that's that seems pretty accurate for me because I didn't get my period until I was almost 15, yeah. whereas most of my wow. friends got it when they were like 11, 12. I, I got it at 11 and a half. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I had to shop for my first bra also right around the same time. For me, it was like a double wham. It was a wham bam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And for some kids, they still go through it really, really quickly. Yeah. But for the average typical kid now, they are starting to feel the surge of hormones mm-hmm. around third grade. Okay. And they are not going to get their period until they're in about seventh grade. Sixth Do you or seventh know grade. why that is yet? Or So Louise Greenspan, who I mentioned before, is one of many scientists who is looking at why. Yeah. And we don't have a concrete answer. I wish we did. Yeah. The only answer I can give you right now is it's everything that we're putting into and onto our bodies. And we really have mm-hmm. to think about how to prioritize taking care of ourselves and and what we put into an our, onto our bodies. And it's not just the things people talk about. People talk about phthalates. People talk about all sorts of chemicals that are in cosmetics. It's also antibiotics drive this a mm. lot. Um, and what we're doing to our environment drives it. And stress yeah. drives it. Stress. Yeah, yeah, we've been talking about stress a lot on mm-hmm. this show. A yeah. lot. I wanted to ask, just to transition there, I wanted to ask why we still, with all this information available to us, especially in the age of, of internet, yeah. Why do you think it's still so embarrassing sometimes to talk about this? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know you're working hard to make I sure mean, it's not. Yeah. But, you know, the it's, giggles come. And, right. I mean, and that's normal. But we don't want people to feel ashamed of a uh, normal thing. That's yeah. where I was going to go with it. There's embarrassment. And I think the language is a little embarrassing. You know, hearing these anatomical words can be a little bit embarrassing sometimes. Because we don't say them. We don't We don't hear them in our normal Co- language. Correct, right. Usually. So, you know, sometimes I'll go in and I'll teach a class of fourth or fifth graders. And sometimes the only thing I'll do in the beginning is write all the words you ever heard onto the board, right? Because Mm -hmm. they got to get the giggles out and they have to laugh and they have to say penis 12 times, (laughs) you know? And then they, that's 20 minutes of the class and then we move (laughs) on, you know? But I think it's the shame piece. That's the piece that I'm trying to get rid of and the people who do what I do are trying to get rid of because it's one thing to giggle and feel awkward about it. It's another thing to feel shame about it. And what can combat shame is proper information. Correct. Mm. Calling our body parts the real terms and not a nickname. Correct. Why is that so important? 
Well, because you can't communicate clearly. If you're talking about the hoo-hoo and I'm talking about the yin-yang and I <laughs> think know. I know what I'm talking about and you think you know what you're talking about, like, we're yeah. not, yeah. right? And yeah. so you're asking me a really hard question and I'm answering it about something totally, totally different. different. So right? what happens though if you're a kid whose family is not calling right. the yeah. body parts by their true okay. names? Do you want to hear the most amazing thing? The One of the most common letters I will get through the care and keeping are letters from parents thanking me for teaching them mm. the words that mm. they never knew. That's amazing. I, that just gave me chills, yeah. actually. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. Because this is generational. That's you know, right. This is generational. Your generation is so lucky to have found their voice around yeah. all of this. Yeah. And there's still work to be done. But I think that it's a fabulous thing to be able to say these words, to be able to talk about periods. You know, when I was first teaching in the classroom 20, 25 years ago, I would teach girls, I can't, I'm so ashamed of this. I would teach girls how to hide a tampon when they walked to the bathroom, mm, right? Oh. Because it was a strategy they needed. But that's where needed. we were 20 years it's ago. where we were. And now when I'm in a classroom, everyone's like whipping out the tampon and <laughs> showing kids, they're taking the water bottle out. Do you putting... see that in your classes? Um, do girls try to hide like sanitary pads or tampons? Honestly, I gotta say, I do it. Yeah. Like when I'm... In, I, I literally did this this year, like in English class. It's like dead silent, and you have to like slowly <laughs> unzip your backpack, and it's like all crinkly. And I like put it in my sleeve, I and I like yeah. it's just something that you feel like you have to do, even you though do. you so don't. You don't, but you do, and I yeah. get it. And that's the piece we want to strip away. And the other thing is just bringing people who don't get periods on to the journey, right? Yeah. Like this isn't shameful. It's just a fact. Yeah. And once they learn the facts. They're more comfortable with it. We're more, so, and then and then everybody therefore is more comfortable. I feel like it's right? when like the the people who don't get periods don't know anything because then they're like, oh, what's that? And they make it a whole totally. joke. And, right. and once once but we're now, all educated, well, then I was just yeah. gonna say, now imagine you're reading this book, you're inspired and right. empowered because you know the facts. Then you can kind of deflect that shame. That's right. By just stating what it is, or yeah. even better, you can be the person if you don't get a period to have the back of the person who does. So you're on their Mm -hmm. team. You've got a tampon or a pad in your bag. You've got a spare sweatshirt you can toss them to throw around their waist. Like, what not that the world we want to live in? Right? Be there for each other. Yeah. 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 All right, we have to jump into some of these questions because they are so juicy. So I'm going to start with one, (laughs) which is people want to know why do we smell when we go through puberty and what can we do about it? Because I'm imagining a lot of people who wrote in mentioned like they start to stink and that's one of the first signs that their body is changing or their parents tell them that they're stinking. They don't recognize it. Yeah, and no one else will tell them. Honestly, everyone else smells them. No one tells them. Okay. Mm. Everyone (laughs) smells them. No (laughs) one tells them. Why? Okay. So here you go. Little science lesson. This is so fun. Okay. When you go into, well, in puberty, that's the path to sexual maturation. There is a parallel path that you take that is not actually puberty. It's called adrenarchy. And that's what causes your hair to grow and you to become sweaty and you to become greasy. And that's because the adrenal glands, they sit on top of the kidneys. They they release a cousin of testosterone called DHEA or DHEAS. And that tells your body to start making hair and sweat and oil. Okay. Tends Mm. to come with puberty, but not always, which gets very confusing for people who get a lot of hair, either really early or really late. Okay. When you get greasy and sweaty, the bacteria that live on your skin, we all have bacteria that live on our skin, eat the sweat. Mm. 
Hmm. They eat the protein in the sweat. They digest the protein and they have gas. And the gas there. Are you telling us our bacteria farts? A hundred percent I am. <laughs> this is going to be, you're going to love the sauce and you're never going to think about it How the same way. I never ever okay? heard about this. Right? So they off gas. I say off gas. My son says fart. I, um, I like farting. They, yep. They off gas and that is body odor. So. That's insane. It's insane. So how do you fix it? <laughs> Okay, Jess's mind is blown. My mind is okay. blown. Okay, so ready? How do you fix it? Because in my mind, I'm imagining little tiny bacteria. Me too. Just like, 100%. Me too. 100%. 100%. Okay, that is the idea. Okay, so how do you fix it? Uh, if you get in the shower okay. and you just let water hit your body, it does not work. Right. But if you take soap and you lather, okay, then the soap pulls the bacteria off the body so there are fewer bacteria to consume the sweat, the protein in the sweat, uh, so wow. there are fewer bacteria to off-gas. They will repopulate really quickly, a day or two, which is why you, you have need to shower to, regularly. Bingo. Yeah. Or bathe okay? regularly. Exactly. Now, soap is your number one friend. If you also want a second layer, you go to the sweatiest places in your body, armpits, groin, feet, and you figure out what you can do there. Okay, feet and groin, air it out. Why? Because then the sweat won't stick around for very long. And then the bacteria won't eat that sweat. Correct. Armpits, that's what antiperspirant is for. It's anti-against perspirant perspiring. That and the deodorant actually just helps mask the smell a little bit. So we really need an antiperspirant. Yeah, and they're usually made together. together. Okay. And so that's why you hear that. Okay. Is that the best lesson? I, I like, that blew my mind. <laughs> I like, know so like actually, uh, yeah. basically, then anytime I'm smelling, I'm just going to be like, my bacteria are farting. That's uh, yes. all I'm going to be thinking about. <laughs> that is your thing. Because it's not just happening during puberty. You're explaining why we have body odor, period. Why right? we, the royal we. The royal right? we, all of us. I, I always say it's puberty and beyond. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Right? It, mm-hmm. you, just, you just get hit with it in puberty. That's but amazing. But it's puberty and beyond. And also it feels way more intense because it's the first time. Totally. You acclimate well, to it all also and you by, learn it. And, and but, also think about it, right? Like if you're the kid in class who smells first or oh, develops yes. first, yeah. you're oftentimes the kid that gets picked on yeah, first. Yeah, you're singled because out. That, you're singled out. You know what, though? If you're the kid in class who develops last, you're also yeah, often the one true. that gets yeah. picked on. And it's I always say to the kids who develop sort of right on time, it's just as hard for you. It's really yeah. like, it sucks no matter what. You it know, really, it's really does. hard. So we got a lot of questions from my audience again. Um, and another one that we got is, when are you supposed to start shaving your legs or anywhere mm. else? And do you have to, is what some people were asking. Okay, so absolutely no, you do not have to. Yeah. And in fact, the choice to remove hair from any part of your body is really a very personal and mm. often a cultural choice. The thing about it being a cultural choice is you can have people from different generations but sharing one culture who have really different feelings about this. So it doesn't mean that just because a parent or a grandparent believes that hair should be treated one way, the kid is going to go along with that. Mm -hmm. So hair is a perfect example of a time where communication is really, really important. Hair changes a lot as you're going through the tween and teen years. And some kids get hairy legs. Some kids get hairy arms. Some kids don't like the hair in their armpits. You get pubic hair. Mm -hmm. Some people get really thick eyebrows, which is super in right now, but some people don't like it. At certain times, it wasn't. Exactly. And some people get the hair between connecting the brows. Some people get thicker, coarser hair on top of their head. Some people have thin hair, and they're desperate for thick hair. Hair's really complicated. One little tip if you're going to shave. Get help from someone who knows how to shave because 
There are things you want to look out for, like if the razor is old and dull or has any rust on it, you can end up getting literally hundreds or thousands of little nicks in your skin Mm. and a really bad infection. It could be painful. It's very painful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you're going to do it, be responsible about it. Yeah. It's such a big thing. I mean, for me, that was the other big seminal moment. I mean, I think when I, I didn't realize, I wasn't really aware of my body hair. Same. And, and then I had a girlfriend at school who was shaving like up to her knees. And so like the bottom of her leg was smooth, but then the top of her leg had little fuzz on it. And then that got me thinking like, oh my gosh, should I be doing that? But I was terrified. I thought I was going to cut myself the first time I did it. I didn't use a brand new razor. I used whatever razor I found in the shower. Right. Not a great idea. Not a great idea. Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I didn't know those steps. So I think that's really good also to know because you don't have to. And one of the other questions I saw that came in was, is shaving your hair, will it help you smell less? Okay, so oh, yeah. first of all, it has nothing to do with smell okay. on your legs, right? Or on your arms. What about but in your groin? In, in your groin and your armpits. That hair, remember, those are dark, sweaty places. They don't get a lot of air. They trap sweat. So it can make a difference. That's one thing. The second is there are a lot of ways to remove hair that aren't shaving. Mm. And some of those are putting something like a depilatory, which is a cream that you put on and it it basically makes the hair fall off of whatever part of your skin you put the cream on. That is one way some people do it. Waxing is another way. Laser is another way. But I always say to kids, and I get this question a ton. I bet you got this question too. Mm -hmm. When is it okay to do permanent hair removal? That is a huge conversation. That is a huge conversation because anything permanent you're doing to your body, you really want to be able to think long and hard. And remember that part of your brain that That is supposed to be- Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? So the choices you're making at 10 or 12 or 14 may be different than the choices that when you're 25, you look back and wish you had made. I want to just make a plea to not over- Tweeze your eyebrows. Oh, 100%. Even, even though you have a lot of eyebrow hair. 100%. Don't, don't make the mistake I did. <laughs> I have like hyper tweeze eyebrows. Although no. it was very in. It was in it at was one point, but then in. when it's not yeah, in, now, now it's, it's not in. Keep them natural. Less less is more with makeup. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, totally. grateful so for that. Before, uh, as Shay and I were talking about you being here with us today, we were talking about your new company, Umla. Yeah. And we know that it's a, a brand dedicated to making puberty more comfortable. You're yeah. making product. But I, and I want to talk about bras yes, because I think that was the other big question outside of smell and shaving, which was, when do I start to wear a bra? How do I know what size I am? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that question. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Boobies. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So I I just want to start by saying the first step of breast growth is something called budding, breast budding. And um, I I always describe it this way. And I do a podcast with Vanessa Kroll Bennett. And she always laughs at me because she's like, who in the world came up with this metaphor? I did. It's like a stack of dimes was stuck under your nipple. That is what a breast bud looks like. It's like three or four or five dimes. If this thing pokes out of everything, Okay, but it's small and narrow. Hmm. And that's the very first sign of breast development. And it turns out that it not only happens to genetic females, but it happens to about 50% of genetic males. And it doesn't happen just on both sides at the same time because these guys don't talk to each other. Right. It happens whenever it wants. Okay. So often on one side. And so here it is a hard lump under your nipple that pops up on one side. And what do you think? What's the first thing that pops into your head? You're like, oh, God. Oh, God. Right? I'm mortified. Yeah. Uh, and cancer. 
Oh, oh. I didn't go there, but like something wrong did, with yeah. me. Oh, they go to oh. many, many girls, right? I we feel live. like that's not with the internet. Like that's a worry that I didn't really like if you went and <laughs> yes. Googled that. Mass under, so. Yeah, if no, you went and Googled that. Right? Oh my God. Yeah. So it's normal. Okay. It's normal. It's normal. But it takes this ridiculously long time to go through breast development. So first it starts with budding and then the nipples get kind of puffy and they look kind of awkward for a long time for a lot of girls. And then they sort of get, they get larger and larger and look more and more triangular until they start to look like like the breasts we expect to see. And for some kids, this can take a year. And for some kids, it can take five. And here's the thing. Um, breasts are really sexualized. And so when young girls get them, the adults in their lives freak out understandably. Mm -hmm. And the adults don't want their girls getting attention for having breasts. And frankly, the girls don't want it either. Yeah. So when do you start wearing a bra? You start wearing a bra whenever you want to. And I know a lot of kids who wear them before they even have a breast bud. Yeah. They just want to wear something because it makes them feel, what if they don't have breasts until they're 12 or 13? They just want to wear something. But most- Really quickly, can yeah. I add something? Yeah. Um, especially in middle school, that was like a huge thing because mm, we totally. had gym locker rooms. Yeah. So it was like, if you were changing and you didn't even have like a yes. training bra on, it was like, oh, she's weird. It was a big deal. Yeah. That, it was well, a so massive deal. I want to say to any kids out there who want to ask for one or adults out there, it's not <laughs> a big deal. Yeah, okay. It is a nothing burger. Okay. <laughs> it is a nothing burger. Now, when do you need a bra? Yeah. You don't really ever need a bra. And that is the truth really? of the matter. There are cultures in this world. When you that, want one. Yes. You wear one when your lifestyle is impacted Got it. by the way you feel about how your boobs look or if you're trying to move and exercise and work yeah. out how they're moving. Yeah. So if you've got big boobs and you're trying to run, it's uncomfortable. Yes. And I would say, get a bra. That's a yeah. solution. But there are a lot of people out there who say... Ah, uh -uh, you don't need one. And there are a lot of cultures that would agree with that. So my attitude is you do you, you do what works for you. But now I'm going to put my pediatrician hat on. No wires. Yeah. I don't want to see any wires in those. I mean, the padding issue, personally, the padding thing drives me crazy because to hide a nipple, a breast bud, we put these humongous pads, like these round, awkward circle looking things in, in bras. And we say, here, now your nipple's totally concealed. And then you got these two big, weird looking circles sticking Agreed. out of your right? Also, wires are the worst. They but feel terrible. Wires feel terrible. Yeah. They do. They do. <laughs> yeah. So I'm anti-wire. I feel like this needs to be a nine-parter episode because there are a lot of questions here. <laughs> okay, go for it. Um, okay, I'm going to go to the place that I think we immediately think of when we talk about puberty, okay. which is periods. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, but this is an interesting question. Before we even get to the functionality of a period, yes. a lot of folks wanted to know, how do I know if what I'm feeling is PMS? And what is PMS? Okay, so um, it stands for premenstrual syndrome pre, before, menstrual, the menstrual cycle, which is the periods cycle of usually about three to five weeks. Um, and then syndrome is sort of the medical word for, you know, it's a thing. It's just happening. <laughs> okay. So what is it? It used to be kind of a catch-all phrase. Okay. And it was just an explanation of the moods that you feel from the hormonal cycling that's happening just before you get a period. 
Now, before you ever get your very first period, since you've never had a period, you have no idea that what you're feeling is premenstrual because you had never been menstrual before, mm-hmm. right. right? Right. But usually in hindsight, you can go, Oh, oh yep. that explains yep. why I cried at right. the cat yeah, commercial. I had, right? I had <laughs> such a massive moment where the day before I got my period for the first time, I was exhausted. Yeah, like I was laying on my bead bag. I like couldn't get up. I was so, so tired for no reason. And I had no yep. clue why until the day after. And yep. then you go, oh. And I was like, Oh, okay. That's we have this. Why. We have this imaginary medical tool that we call the retrospectoscope. It doesn't exist, <laughs> but it's in your mind. And we always say the retrospectoscope is twenty twenty vision, right? Yeah. So you can always look back and figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. But it's so true because mood swings, being tired, yep. cravings, skin breakouts, skin breakouts. Yeah. Yes. And Cramping. so it's good. It's also good to yep. know that that's a real thing because I do think sometimes in culture, we use that also as a catch-all phrase to kind of try to put women down when we have big moods or big feelings or even opinions. So this is really interesting because I think this comes back to sort of like stigma, meaning sort of like, and stereotype, the things we're yep. afraid to talk about, the yep. things where, you know, we think might be true. And one of the biggest stigmas um, is around our vaginas 100%. and the smell yep. and the moisture. Yep. And I'm going to ask the question about discharge oh, because this came yes. up a lot. Is it normal to have discharge from my vagina during puberty? Okay. I'm going to ask you guys, is it normal to have discharge? Yes. 100%, yeah. right? Yes. And yeah. here's the fun fact about discharge. Discharge. And let's define discharge. Okay. So I'm going to tell you what it looks like and I'm going to tell you why it happens. It looks like um, the mucus that might come out of your nose if you're allergic. It's clear, maybe a tiny bit sort of um, light, sort of white-ish, but never um, solid white. It's like the, a raw egg white. That's what discharge looks like. If it looks thick and white and chunky, that's not typical discharge. That can be a yeast infection. If it looks green or yellow, dark yellow, that's not so normal, and you want to check in with the healthcare provider. But if it just looks sort of thin and watery, that's normal. If you see like a stain in your underwear, if you see not moisture if, in your inner, when? When, mm. when? because cool. it is so normal, the vagina is a self-cleaning oven. Okay? <laughs> I can't. It, Hold on a second. Okay? We got I've, bacteria I've, I've heard part. stuff like this before. Like I've yeah. seen videos. Self-cleaning so. oven totally. is yeah. for me. Okay. <laughs> And what is the, what's the whole point of the discharge? It's your vagina. There's an opening. It's called your vaginal orifice. Your vagina actually stretches pretty far inside your body. Everyone thinks it's just the opening. It's not. It's a long muscular tube. And the tube is connected to the outside world and it needs to be cleaned. You have saliva in your mouth. Right. Right. This is what you've got in a vagina. I was going to show in the book that you yeah. wrote for Karen Keeping, there's an amazing picture, the anatomy of you. Yeah. And, and it's a beautiful picture of a real body. And then also down here, here we have yeah. a picture of the vagina and everything yeah. that goes with it. And what it's I like about these important. pictures is that the picture that's on the right shows what's called a cross section. So it's like looking if if you're slicing a part of the body, whereas the picture that's on the left shows actually the anatomy if you're standing up. And that picture that shows where you're standing up shows how long the vagina is, mm-hmm. right? It's it's a very long organ. Yeah. So Totally normal. Normal. What about smell and discharge? Well, so mostly discharge doesn't smell, but if it's hot and sweaty down there, I mean, going back to the body odor conversation, you can have sort of a musty smell because that's what happens when you don't air out the area. So my best piece of advice is at the end of a long day, come home, 
get out of your tight underpants and air yourself out. And that's why I was laughing earlier when I was telling you about Umla and what we're doing next. We made breathable shorts. And the reason we made breathable shorts is you're in sweaty underpants all day. And I don't care what your gender is. You got to air down there. <laughs> and so that's what helps with the smell. But really fun fact about vaginal discharge. Okay. <laughs> Fun fact about vaginal discharge. Go. Thank you for singing (laughs) it. Um, So if you have not gotten a period yet and you're wondering when it's going to come for the first time, the answer is I have no idea. But if you've gotten vaginal discharge every single day, so if you see that little mark in your underpants every single day for two, three, four months, it's coming soon. That's really good to know. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much here. We have to end on the tampon questions, Shay. Um, oh yeah. So people were just asking, like, what if all my friends are wearing tampons, but I'm still scared of it and I yeah. wear pads, but like I'm going to a pool party or I'm swimming or all these other things. This is the most like, visited page of the book. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. This and the boob. Yeah. The boob sure. like, so yeah. people what are section? just asking, yeah. what do I do? Do yeah. I have to wear okay. one? What can I do? Ready? Here we go. Okay. You do not have to ever use a tampon your entire life if you don't want to. Yeah. Okay. If you're not comfortable with what it looks like down there and what the anatomy is down there, you should not be using a tampon. Okay. Because you're putting something into your body. And now the revolution of technology has delivered Gen Z and Gen Alpha yeah. with solutions that I would have not like period I would have given my left leg for mm. period underwear. Period swimwear. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Because that is the biggest thing we're Menstrual wondering. Menstrual cups. Yes. Right. There are so many options here. So no one has to wear a tampon if they don't want to. Just like shaving. If you don't want if to, you don't, don't want do to, it. don't have to. If you do, please. I'm literally begging you. I need you to know where it's going, and I need you to take it out regularly. So yes. we say mm-hmm. every four to six hours change your tampon, which means that when you're first getting your period, you're not sleeping in one. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. That's a really yeah. good thing. Okay. I know there's a ton more here. Um, my big ending question for us though is let's just, I'm trying on in my head who else might be listening to this. Yeah. And if you've got somebody listening right now who this is like, you know, blowing their mind, but they don't live in a supportive environment yes. where this is an open conversation. Yeah. That's why you wrote a book like yeah. this. Mm-hmm. It's why we have this information and this podcast yeah. because we want them to know they're not alone. But could you leave us with a piece of advice talking to a young listener or even a parent who might be uncomfortable talking about this? What is the best way to start this conversation Mm -hmm. and keep this conversation going? So at American Girl, I've been with American Girl for 10 years. And the thing that I have learned to honor every day is their mantra about finding trusted adults. Mm. So as a kid... It is your job to learn how to identify who are the people around me who I can trust. Most of the time, the people who are raising you, whether they're your parents or your grandparents or your guardians or anyone else, those people are generally there. It's their job to keep you safe and healthy. Even if you're not doing a great job communicating with each other, they are generally trying to look out for you. And so there might be work to be done on the communication there. And you can get help. You can get help from a school counselor. You can get help from a therapist. You can get help from your pediatrician or another healthcare provider. Sometimes those relationships don't exist. Sometimes people feel really alone. And there are incredible advice lines available. There's teen line. There are just incredible resources. The internet is full of them. But choose your trusted adult's 
carefully. Yeah. And my best advice to kids, and this is hard advice to take, is talk to your parents or the person who's raising you about who the best trusted adult is for something that you can't ask them mm. and decide together because the adult in your life should know that they won't always be the person you can go to. And so you, if you come up with that other person together, first of all, your trusted adult then knows what yeah. your parent or guardian wants you to know. Yeah. But second of all, you've all kind of acknowledged that it doesn't all live with one person sometimes. Right. 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 Don't go to another 12 year old if you're 12. Yeah. Don't go to another yeah. 16 year old for really hard stuff if you're 16. The Karen Keeping of You book series turns 25 next That's year. Amazing. Which is amazing. And it also goes to show how many generations and generations to come have been impacted by this work. So, Thank you. Thank you for your time, your love, your passion, thank your direct you. answers. Yes, thank you so much. I know I learned so much. And Jess, I, I think you can uh, absolutely I, say the same. I so. learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> you thank have to you. come back because I'm sure we're going to have a lot more questions after this episode. I mm -hmm. loved it. I loved it. Thank you. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many takeaways from that yeah. uh, conversation with Dr. Cara. I think, look, obviously you never are done learning. My big takeaway <laughs> yeah. is definitely going to be body odor and bacteria farting. That, and that is yeah. the reason why we get stinky. I can't get over that. <laughs> I, I genuinely cannot believe that they never taught us that in school or, or anywhere. that way. That's why I love yeah. Dr. Cara and I love the Care and Keeping of You book because it brings you the info in a way that is like, fun and digestible <laughs> and of course yeah, unforgettable. And, yeah and informational too yeah. and like actually true yeah <laughs> you what, know what's your takeaway um everything <laughs> um just like people that you can turn to to mm -hmm. talk about this stuff with um parents or your guardian or whoever's taking care of you in terms of an adult in your life is an amazing person to go to but also older siblings mm -hmm. I know I went to my older sister for a lot of these things that were like the first time shaving my leg I was like can you help me with this this is really mm. scary and then I also went and talked to my mom about it because she was like you know maybe you should talk to her too so we were talking to yeah. Dr. Cara about this a little bit too but um, if you go to older friends or older siblings they can also help you where they yeah. know things and then turn you to an adult when they don't know things so. I think the biggest key in her advice was trust. Yeah. Trusted yes. adult or trusted, trusted sibling yeah. if you have exactly. them. Yeah. I loved it so much. And as usual, I just have to thank y'all for listening to the Smart Girls podcast with Shay and Jess. If you're an adult or if you're a parent listening with the Smart Girl in your life, you can follow us. And if you would, please, please, please write a review. That really helps us out. And of course, if you're on social media, you can find us at I'm Jess Wiener, at Shay Rudolph, and at American Girl Brand. We're on Instagram, we're on TikTok, and that's where we post some really awesome behind the scenes content and, of course, clips from these incredible interviews. 